The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, our focus is the Immigrant and Refugee Community Organization. Be sure to visit the November Bazaar on Saturday the 23rd at their community center in Northeast Portland. All right, this is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined today, uh, two women from ERCO, Nami Burgos is the Fundraising and Events Associate. Did I get that title right? You got the title right. You got my last name wrong. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> let's correct that. It's Nami Bigos. Bigos. Nami Bigos is the Fundraising and Events Associate for ERCO. And uh, speaking in, later in the show, Sophia Kennera. Kennerot. Kennerot. <laughs> I am. I am. Uh, Oh, for two this morning. And she has a company called Recreating Society, which will be at Urco's From These Hands event on November 23rd at the Community Center. And we'll talk to Sophia more about that event and about her uh, her company. But let's start with Urco. What what is that's Urco's a it's a big mandate for what Urco does. So let's start with uh what what is the act what are the letters stand for and and can you say what ERCO does in the smallest possible way. So ERCO stands for the Immigrant and Refugee Community Organization, and we do practically everything. Right, so <laughs> you work with and, and um, building new lives is part of, I believe, the mission statement. Yes. And and so what is the job? I mean, that's a lot. That's job, house, social life, religion uh i mean is it is it unfair to say that you're you're you have families and individuals that are arriving here and they're starting from scratch correct and and i mean people when they land here they have a variety of i mean a wide variety of situations of what they're dealing with here and a lot of them have absolutely nothing and once they get here we want to make sure that we help them with anything that will lead to them being an independent person. And so we don't really say, oh, is that your issue? No, yeah, we don't cover that, sorry. Um, We wanna make sure that we're helping folks from babies all the way to seniors. Primarily, we've got a lot of youth programs and workforce programs, but we're also making sure, you know, grandma's coming down during the day and and learning how to knit or doing some activities so that they're staying active and they're meeting people outside of maybe um, their isolated family situation. And if anything that folks come to us with if we cannot directly help them outside of energy assistance or housing issues or healthcare issues or domestic violence situations, we work very closely with a lot of peer organizations in the metro area to redirect them 
because we don't just want to turn someone away and say, I don't know, good luck with that. So I'm going to ask you an easy question and then I'm going to ask a hard question. Okay. Easy question, hopefully easy question is, how many people are we talking about every year? Last year, we helped about 35,000 people. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's an entire, uh, you know, small city. And we are just a local organization. I mean, we definitely help broader than the Portland metro area, um, reaching into some bit of southwest Washington, but down the valley, uh, further out, we've got a small office in Ontario, Oregon, but we're not a national organization. And 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 so so am I correct then in, in thinking that thirty five thousand new uh, residents arrived in Portland for, from uh, other countries? I don't have those details. Okay, but it's a matter of there's a a certain span of time that folks can receive help once they come here, mm-hmm. um, and. That's constantly changing, but it's about two to five years. And and that span of time is determined by who? Federal government. Okay, so that's that's like a, a federal mandate, and then you receive some federal funding. We do. Um, there's there's three organizations that sort of get federal money for bringing people here, and our part in that is we're the official workforce component in that picture that broad picture but uh that is just a small piece of our puzzle okay so those were the easy questions okay um and i think that this is the more difficult question is that when you're working with uh these individuals and families how much is this about assimilation and how much is this about trying to help uh those people hold on to their their own cultural background and and try to find their own space in, in this new geographic space? I, I think the focus is formally on the latter, but I think that where the education part that we bring is, um, you know, learning American culture in the sense of um, many folks, if they don't have the education or, or even the language skills to just, let's say, roll up to unemployment services and get a job, um, we will make sure to get them prepped to bridge that gap because they don't know these forms and these questions and why are they asking me about that? And um, so there is some cultural bridging in that sense, especially with kids who are now going to public school and the just those concepts can be very foreign to some families and a lot of our program managers are helping parents understand what what is the system you know and what does it mean what is the parent's role what is the child's role and also what other support services are other than uh, mere education so I wouldn't say it's turning it into a little American factory for our clients, but um, making them as successful as possible, giving them those tools, and and letting them make it for what they wanted themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, Portland uh, is is culturally can be a confusing place, even from someone moving from Kansas, let alone from uh, from Tanzania or Somalia to to land here and to um, manage. Not, I'm not just talking about the Portlandia part about it, but just the 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 the, the customs that we have here that seem really ordinary, maybe for someone that's grown up in the area. And and do you have classes? Do you? I mean, or is this like you're saying? This is really on an individual basis that Urco does its work. We do have one-on-one case management, and sometimes that is with an individual. Sometimes it starts with an individual, and then oh, I'm going to bring mom. Oh, you know what? I'm going to bring my spouse, and actually, the next appointment, I'm going to bring my kids, and so it ends up becoming family case management. But we also host classes, one-off classes, series, things of that nature, because, you know, there's still just basic needs for, like, ESL training and everything under the moon. Sure, sure. Home financing, job job searches. I would imagine, and, and, and for lack of a better word, that um, in your position at ERCO, and, and ERCO as an organization, you see... Uh, trends, meaning that um, if there is um, turmoil in one part of the world, it's like a balloon being squeezed. It's sort of a, the, the populations pop up elsewhere. Absolutely. So t- t- 20 years ago, maybe Somalia. Uh, 10 years ago, uh, um, Syria. Um, and and is, that, is that a fair way to say? And, and then if so, what, what populations are... Um, most seeking new opportunities here in Portland right now? Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely you see the trends. And I mean, that's the whole reason why this organization was founded. Our, uh, we have been around for 44 years. And that was just to, like, you know, there was this, an identified issue with um, a lot of folks coming from Vietnam and Southeast Asia with the wars then. And... Um, youth not having a lot of issues and it was leading to a lot of gang issues and that was the whole reason Urkel was founded back in the day but when you look at statistically the because it's it's not just who has the largest largest amount of asylees and refugees because not always are they coming to America they're you know for numerous reasons um, or they're not being allowed in. Um, the largest population right now is coming from the Ukraine. And then it's a mix of um, Afghanistan and Cuba are kind of the top um, volume of immigrants and refugees into Portland in the past year. And and in terms of um, long term residents here in Portland, is there is there a need? Is there a way for people to get involved with Urco that aren't looking for Urco services that 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 have lived here for twenty years and they 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 aren't looking, but they want to maybe can they open up their house? Can they? Is is there is there that interplay with uh, um, Portland residents? Well, I mean, there are just because you've been in the country for 20 years doesn't mean that you may not still need. You're like, actually, I haven't really connected with someone, not just from my country, but from a certain region or a certain religion or a certain dialect. And so all the community events that we host regularly 
um, folks might learn about a connection of a community that was across town that used to be nearby and they didn't even know about it. So there's still that ongoing um, connections that are happening. But if it's your average local, uh, there's, of course, numerous volunteer opportunities. And um, also we do a lot of education and outreach for, you know, either particular ethnic communities, if you want to learn more about like a targeted problem that's hitting um, folks with these sort of citizenship uh, status, there's, it's all there. Good. Good. And, and, and um, finally, before we take a quick music break here, um, <clears throat> question about you. So you, you, you had a decade as a manager with the Rose City Rollers, is that correct? Events director. Events director. So this seems like a very different job, or is it not? I have been doing nonprofit events for maybe 15 years. And while I, post my sports career, got into fundraising considerably, it it's a mission that's very close to my heart. My, my family came over here in the 1940s from Poland, so... Um, when it really comes down to it, it's, it's about your passion and your connection to the mission. So I'll just bridge those gaps and make it work. Cause this is something that's really important to me. Let's take a quick music break. We'll be right back to talk more about Urco.
This is Phil Bussey. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am talking—we we, want to talk about an event that Urco has coming up called From These Hands. Uh, Sophia Kenner, Kennerot yes. is um, president-owner—sorry, I didn't—of Recreating Society. Well, I could be the president and the owner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> tell, us, tell us what that is, because Recreating Society, that sounds like a, a, a large mandate. It is. Uh, well, eventually it will be. But at the point that I'm at right now, I am doing um, self-care products through botanicals and essential oils. Um, and then to build um, community through that. And how do you mean to build community through that? So what I want to eventually get to is I want to be able to help women build businesses and be a consultant to them so that they can go out and build their own businesses and come back and be able to have this community together with with a network of people. And what are you finding are the skills that you most need or that you feel like you can that that uh, you would like to give to other women in terms of is that marketing? Is that administrative? Is that bookkeeping? What What is it that that um, makes it makes a business? So where I'm starting right now is I'm building my own business. So I got to show people that, hey, I can build my business and I can help you build your business. So. It's starting with the idea of self-development. So it's looking at your past, who you are, where you come from, and what skills you have. And then looking at your present situation, like where are you right now? Are you working? Um, Do you like your job? (laughs) Um, And then where do you want to be? And how are you going to get there from your present point? Like everyone cannot just drop off their job and be like, I'm going to go and do this business right now. I have to be able to like self-sustain myself and then get to where I want to be in the future. So it's really looking at who you are first, getting there, getting getting at what what skills do you have and what do you really want to do, looking at where you're at right now and then looking at the future and how do you really want your lifestyle to be? How do you want to live? Like is it do you want that 9 to 5 job? Do you want to work in a nonprofit? Do you want to have your own business? And just figuring out and navigating that situation of like where where we're going with it. And how did you learn all of this? A lot of research online <laughs> and a lot of self-development myself. I um, actually started out in the nonprofit world. I started volunteering when I first came um, back from university. I actually went to um, Canada to go to university and I came back and I came back during a recession and I couldn't get a job and I was like frustrated and just really like depressed out of it because I was like I went to school you know like I put in a lot of work and I came here and I can't even get a retail job because I'm overqualified now um so I started volunteering at this um nonprofit organization called Right to Survive and it, it works with houseless individuals and then we developed Right to Dream 2 um, and then I got into, um, I was a domestic violence advocate at um, Self Enhancement. And that's where I really saw like women coming in there and just kind of being down and through all of the traumas that they've gone through. And that's where I was getting this idea of like we were helping them get self-sustained for, for a little bit. But it's not like solving the whole problem. It's still it's still putting a band-aid on it. It's still they're still not living their life to their fullest potential. And we're not finding what is it that they really love to do and where do they really want to be. We're just putting, okay, we need you to get a job. We need you to be able to pay for your housing and pay for for your for your bills and everything and get your kids in the school and, and get your yourself away from your abuser. 
all of that stuff. But then in the end, we're not we we let them go, and we're like, here you go, just go on and and figure out the rest of it because you're sustained now, technically in in the road, but you're not getting to that point of how do you bring in a different income, and then get to your future goals. And and um, what is your connection then with Erco? With Erco, I've heard of Erco long time ago. I've never worked with Erco other than in the DV. Uh, we used to work together, but I've I've never gone through any of the Erco programs or anything. But I have heard of Erco, and I used to work with with them closely through the nonprofits. And so then you'll be a vendor. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the details of this event. So from these hands, uh, where where does that title come from? A coworker and came up with them when we were just brainstorming titles, and I think it and it I I thought it was very poetic, um, and and what is what is the event? Is there what is what is the uh, um, feeling of the event and what type of vendors are there? What can people expect to see when they show up? It's an artisan fair that is featuring vendors primarily with immigrant and refugee backgrounds. And we also are hosting an art gallery space. We might have a musician or two, depends. Um, but regardless, you know, it's it's a fundraiser for ERCO, but also the whole idea of it kind of came about, we have a microenterprise program in ERCO, and I have, I went to art college. That's my background. How I ended up here, who knows? Um, but art has always been a major part of my life, and it seemed like a very natural way to give our clients this opportunity because having been familiar with the arts and crafts scene here, it's very prominent in Portland, but it's very expensive, very competitive. And if it's a juried competition, if you don't do the application right, whatever, it's, it's good luck. Just good luck on that. And I wanted to create an opportunity that not only was equitable cost-wise, but also with I've sat with a lot of our clients and just helped them fill out the online form. People have emailed me questions because this is their first time venturing into something like this and there are so there are going to be a range of vendors that like uh Sophia you know has her company and is growing and then we've got folks that just pulled their wares that they've been working on out for the first time and it is um a big debut for them and um whether this is something that they ultimately are hoping to pursue in a business capacity, um, and I'm bringing in resources to help behind the scenes with training and support in that way. But um, like I mentioned, my grandfather was the first one to come over for my family, and in Poland, he did um, artisanal tile. And when he landed in Pittsburgh, there wasn't really a market for that <laughs> in 1944. It's a bit ahead of the trend. Yeah, and he he tried to um, do like mosaic tabletop, like coffee tables and things, and it just it didn't go anywhere. And he ended up in a factory, and he stayed in a factory the rest of his life. And I know 
while this may not be a business goal for everyone that's there, some of it, this is, I mean, this, this is their side love and their passion. You know, you have to focus on that hustle to survive here, but you want to be able to do what you love as well and just showcase that and share it. And so those sort of two things really are what brought me into developing this event. And and Sophia, it seems like you have a almost a dual purpose about being a vendor there. One is to sell, right? Um, but also, it seems like to to network and and for, for women that you're going to help uh, educate about how to start their own businesses, right? Um, so yeah, I do have my my self care products that people can purchase at the event, but it's also to just network with the vendors there and just talk to them and and see what their goals are and. And I can help them build um, websites and stuff too. So it's not, it, it is a dual kind of thing. And it, I, when I do events, I really choose events that are good for the community. I don't just choose events that are, are going to sell a ton of money, right? Like I don't actually know how much is going to sell here because it is the first time that they're doing the event. And it's, it is a risk, right? Like you, you go and you're like, okay, well, we'll just see what happens. Um, but I think when you, um, from what I found is that when you go through community events, you get a whole different spectrum of people that are just more loving. Like they just care more. They just want to know more about what you're doing. They're they're more interested in in just you and in the event itself. And so let's um, let's tell people exactly the the times and where they can go for this. I mean, and and, and not to mention, it is a great way to start off some holiday shopping. Absolutely. Yeah. It is this Saturday before Thanksgiving weekend, November 23rd. The public time is running from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's at the Erco Community Center, which is approximately 102nd, 103rd in Northeast Gleason. There's free parking. There's plenty of it. The event is free to the public. And we um, should be having about 43 vendors there. There will be food, and I am really excited about the folks that have come out and the sort of the show that we've curated on the walls and and in the in the vendor spaces. And and what a great way to to get to know Urko a little bit better, and also uh, to 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 pick up you know, some artwork for yourself or artwork for the holidays and support the immigrant and refugee community. Thank you both for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>